Now, um, I'm going to bring up Robert Rain here in just a second. Robert is a, a friend of mine and, a, and part of our family here. He and his family have been part of Kettlebrook for about three years. Robert has been part of the Army for 20 years, and he'll tell you more about his role there. But um, I've, I've been able to this last year get a chance to spend more time with Robert as we've been meeting in a group, a smaller group of folks, uh, trying to figure out what racial reconciliation looks like in, in how the church should be leading that charge uh, here locally and globally as well. So can you give a warm uh, Kettlebrook welcome to my our brother, Robert Rand. Good morning. Well, thank you, Troy, for that. I do want to share just a little bit this morning with you. Um, uh, my family is not here with me today, but uh, I know that uh, we wore them out last night doing some things, and Sarah's not feeling her best as well. But uh, nonetheless, I'm here with you today uh, to share from, from what the Lord has, has done in, in my life and, of course, what he's going to do today in the Word as we, as we look at this. So uh, let me just share with you a little bit about uh, who I am. I'll probably put my glasses on here. Uh, you see there back um, where I'm standing there, I, I deployed back sometime in uh, 2011 uh, to Iraq. And where you see me standing there right now is probably a place where uh, they, they said this to be Abraham's house in Iraq where I was at. Uh, but let me just share with you a little bit about who I am. So as a chaplain in the Army, said, our job is to provide for the spiritual needs of our soldiers. Uh, not just soldiers, but the families and the DOD civilians who work for them as well. Um, this is not unlike what Troy, Troy and his staff do as well. They take care of the community. And that, that's what we all, we all get opportunity to take care of the community. So we have a responsibility, I think, uh, to, to do that. We all had that great pleasure. Now, that's how we enter into people's lives as chaplains. Uh, I went in to uh, share from a standpoint of where they have uh, lost a, a son or a daughter, um, I entered into their homes and, and tried to build a rapport with them to be able to provide for them just an opportunity to, to see the Spirit of the Lord there, just in that midst, just for that time frame. And, and, but I also get the opportunity to do weddings, you know. I get to fly to New York this year to go out and do a wedding for my, my commander. That's an opportunity to build relationships with him and to continue on. You know, when I got deployed back in 2011, I deployed with a, a commander by last name of Pentecost. So, so, so we, we knew we were going to have a great mission. As a matter of fact, the Lord blessed us that in our, our battalion. We, we didn't lose anyone at all. So the Lord was, was blessed us in that uh, as well. Because it wasn't like we didn't get hit, but the Lord blessed us to keep us. I also like to, I get to share in the, in the greater promotion of people and their responsibility as, as things move forward. So as we pray and, and uh, you know, I get opportunity to, to lay hands on people, so to speak, and uh, they allow me to do that, uh, even in the military. Uh, people are very appreciative of that. Um, like my family who's not here today, you put that up. Uh, there's, there's Sarah and, the, and, and three of our kids who are at home. We have five, two are off in college. Um, Olivia, who's not going to be showing her today, she's uh, in her last year of student teaching, so she's going to become a teacher here. Kendrick, my son, who wanted to be a mascot, is uh, growing up now. He's off in Moody Bible College now, uh, so he's going to be a missionary. Uh, that's his desire. So he's still working out through his one more year at Moody out in uh, Washington State. I was so thankful to know that he wasn't going to be a mascot, but he's going to live with the Lord. So, so I was happy about that. <laughs> you know? But I guess uh, being a mascot wouldn't be all bad. But he gets to go to cheer the Lord on right now. So, uh, 
but like I say, as, as my family here, they, they, they supported me throughout this time in terms of ministry for where we've been uh, and where we continue to head. Um, like I said, we pastored together, Sarah and I, for about 10 years also before I went to chaplaincy um, back down in Illinois. So we have, have some history there as well. Uh, so the Lord has used us throughout this time. Now, the, the chaplain banner is, is one that we, we say we, we like to say is that we care for the living. We nurture the wounded and we honor the dead. That's the mission of the chaplains. That's what we build. Now, this is not a plug for the chaplains. This is just to tell you for who, who we are. So the chaplain also seen us as a good guy on the battlefield. You know, that's, they say, you know, see the chaplain come, you usually got candy in your pocket. Well, I don't carry candy. I didn't want to be that chaplain, you know. So I made sure I carried the word of God with me. That's what I wanted to carry. And I would have Bibles in my pocket as I went out. And I would have coins with scripture verses on it. And I would share with people as I go. Because I didn't want to be that chaplain. I saw him didn't want candy. So I would direct them back to, to that chaplain who had the candy. And they would go find it. So, um, But my position, like I said, represented a place of peace for them. And, and, I, and I humbly accept that. Because I just see myself as a guy in a, in a green suit, really, you know, as, as, I, as I go out. I make sure that, uh, you probably notice in the picture, I make sure I wear my cross where it can be seen. So when people see me coming, they know what I'm carrying. Because every other person out in the battlefield is carrying a weapon. But I want to carry the, the, the voice of the Lord with me as I went. So I make sure that was up front. Now, some people say that's, that's silly because people might take that as a target. Well, that's okay. If the Lord takes me, he takes me. That's what I figure, right? Now, however, I, I created a place for soldiers to come and find peace and solitude to find God. So for me, I, I consider it to be a building project wherever I go. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little later on as we get through the scripture. We, we build into people's lives. And we have to make places for them to come into. As a chaplain, I go out, I set up a lot of times. I, I would have just my uh, uh, little kid about so big. And in that kid, I have a cross in it. I have an opportunity to share communion. And I might set up wherever it might be. It might be on the front of a, of, of a deuce and a half or, or some other type of vehicle around the tailgate. Right where I'm at. So we don't always have pushy seats to sit in and, and, to, and to recline back and to cross our legs. and have, But we can sit on the ground. You know, or we can just gather together real quick before the guys roll out on a mission. And let's hold hands. Let, let, let's worship the Lord before you go out tonight. And we've done that. But the, the goal is, is that we build a place. No matter where you're at, you build that place for people to come into. So now... I was counseled by a, a, a chaplain when I first got into the chaplaincy. And we're going somewhere with this, so if you can just walk with me on this. As I got into the chaplaincy, he says, his robbery says, you are required to bring God into the room. And at first I thought that sounded kind of strange. I'm thinking, but isn't he already here? But he says, you forget who you represent. So when you come into the room to engage with people, you bring God with you. And I started to think about that. As, sound, as strange as it might, might sound to me, is that a lot of people, even here, maybe we, maybe we don't really know God. You know? Maybe we don't really, really sense who He is and sense His presence. But He said, You bring Him into the room. And I said, Okay, I will. I will bring God into the room. And I realized, you know what? Those who know God, and those who probably even today, you probably say, Well, God is good, isn't He? Is God good? All right. Like I said, you want to bring God into the room, in essence. It's wonderful and humbling at the same time to know that we carry that ability with the Holy Spirit that lives in us, isn't it? You know, it's nothing of our own. Nothing of our own do we carry, but it's all of the Holy Spirit. So 
what I want to do, I want to take a, a little time tonight, I want to look at today, to look at King Solomon's role and what he did in terms of building this, 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 this temple before the Lord. And there's a reason why he built it. So you can get a little, little, little backdrop here. Now, in your action, in your, in your action Bibles, in your, <laughs> well, I hope it is a Bible of action for you. <laughs> in your brown Bibles, I think page 243, uh, you'll pick up on uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 there. Uh, where I'm coming from today is starting with uh, verse 22, but just to give you a little backdrop before we get there. Um, as, as King Solomon had uh, was, was about to, to dedicate the temple, what he did, I think there might be a picture next coming up here. You can see the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant being carried into the temple. And once it was going to get there, he, he talked about this, this cloud, the Spirit of the Lord, coming in and filling that room. You think about this. Now, I was blown away as I started to think about God coming into here. Can you imagine the Spirit of the Lord just rolling as a cloud into this room, filling this room up? It's not a magic trick, but it's the power of the Lord moving into your lives. That's what I wanted to think about today. So as, as he was doing this, as he's getting ready, he says, as moving in and he's praying to Praying to the Lord, and he's talking about the things that's there. Let me just say some of the things he said here. He says, says, Now Solomon assembled all the elders. This is in chapter 8, verse 1. You won't read this for me, but he says, He assembled all the elders of Israel and all the heads of the, the tribes and the chief fathers of the children of Israel and King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark into the covenant. Therefore, verse 2, he says, Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast. And as they went in, he continued to pray for him. As he picks up in verse 22 there, you see some of the things as he started to. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. And he says, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on the earth below like you who keeps your covenants and your mercies and your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. If you think where Solomon is at, he, he, he's standing now as he's about to concentrate this, this temple. And he's standing on, 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 on the platform. There's a brazen altar in front of him where he just sacrificed, where he's going to sacrifice all these animals, and he's standing there. Think about this, this is the temples in the background before him, and the people in front of him. And he realizing that the Spirit of the Lord is in this temple. The greatness, we were singing about the greatness of God this morning, right? And when you're up front, I, I, you get a better sense of when, when, you, when you're there, because you're not looking at anyone else. When you're up front, you're only thinking about the Lord. So I think... Solomon, he's up front. He's thinking about who's behind him. The presence of the Lord is with him, and he knows that. So the Spirit of the Lord, like I said, filled the holies of holies. Now, as Solomon, like I said, he's standing there. It's a position that he takes as he starts to kneel down. It's one of humility. Because he takes this in because he realizes that I'm only King Solomon. This is the King of Kings. This 
It's the Lord of Lords as he's thinking. And what he does is he acknowledges the uniqueness of God. Do you ever stop to acknowledge the uniqueness of who God is? Do you ever think about that? Why don't you just take a quick moment and think about who God is? Now, you know, God is not like any other gods, right? Do we really believe that? I hope we do. I hope we do. So I think King Solomon, when he prayed this prayer, he knew what he was talking about. He knew the God who he was dealing with. You remember, he had already started to marry off into these other nations. And, and when he did that, that was going to create some spiritual problems. That means that other gods was going to come in. You know when you get into marriage, right? You kind of have to let things balance out a little bit. Some things you accept, some things you don't. Some people have a little more influence in the marriage than, than the other person, right? I would imagine King Solomon had to fight off some of those influences so he can keep his God out front. The God of all creations out front. That, that's the battle we fight with every day. Keeping God out front of us so we know who he is. Can we wrestle with those things? You know, I, I know when I walk into my front door and I just want to sit on my couch and I wrestle with that, that remote. You know, what God am I going to turn on today? You know, I fight with that. I think King Solomon, he knew that as well. The uniqueness of who God is. Like often in chaplaincy, people would ask me and say, you know, well, doesn't this create conflict for you, being in the chaplaincy? Because, you know, you're in the government. You can't really say anything. You serve alongside all these other religions and and all these other chaplains, we, we do have a lot of chaplains of different faith groups within the military. But also a great place to understand that God has allowed a place for us. And the government upholds that. So in the military, I have a place as a Christian chaplain to share from where I stand. Now, when I'm in front of a congregation like this, I'm assuming that we're all Christians, right? Or at least we're on that road desiring who is God. Want to know, right? When I'm standing from a formation, I might not have that. Matter of fact, I won't have that. But as I stand there and I share, I want people to see the Lord that I serve. So people ask me, so how do you pray? I pray like I normally do, you know? Now we know that the name of Jesus can be offensive to some people, right? So we don't go around poking the bear, right? We, we, don't, we don't do that in front of the congregation. I should say in front of my, my, my battalion that I'm with. Because that battalion doesn't belong to me. There's a place where I have to say, I have a place. I don't own it. Just like King Solomon here. He has a place before the Lord. He doesn't own it. So he has to recognize that the king of all kings is with him. Just like I recognize that my commander. He owns it, but he's gave me a place to speak. And I use that place. So when I pray, I, I say, Lord, you know, I, I talk to my God. I tell him, I can't pray in any, any other name except for the name of the Lord Jesus. So I say, in the name of my Lord, I pray. I let them know this is who I am. So we walk together in that. So I have no problem with that, like I said, because I know who I serve. I know the God who I'm dealing with. 
the Lord Jesus is my focus. So, of course, my goal is to bring God into the room, right? That should be all I focus. You must know that God you're dealing with. If you don't know, then I ask that you pick your, your, your word. Just, just follow with you. Travel with me to, to Iraq when I deploy, and I kept it in my, my, my pocket with me. Sarah sent me another one along the way because she felt this one was going to get too ratty before I got back. But I couldn't put it in my pocket. It was too big. So I, so I kept this one with me at all times where I went. And we traveled quite a ways around uh, Iraq and, 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 and the lands, and either into the northern Iraq or southern Iraq, all the way to the Iranian border. That's what's standing there. And the Lord protected me. He kept me. Share one story with you real quick, and it's the Lord protection. So I'm standing there at the border of Iran. As as the, as the gates come through, people are flooding through to go into to 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 to, to Zerb Mecca. They, they want to go into to their pilgrimage, so they they they're coming through the gates. And I'm standing there with an Iraqi guard on an Iranian border. He has a AK-47. As he's standing there, broken English. As he's standing there, the stock is all falling off, and so it's, it's a piece of junk. But he's standing there, and I said, and I said, oh, I said, great, you, you, you're guarding our borders. And he said, yes, we're guarding your borders. And he stands like this, and he points the weapon over to the guard shack for the Iranian guy. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so we got out of there quickly. I said, you know, the last thing we need is a chaplain to cause an international incident. So, so we, <laughs> so we left quickly. But I, I, I bring that up because it's that. When we walk, we walk in the light of who God is. And in this building project that we're in, the building project that, that, that I was walking in, even in Iraq, trying to bring people in, people are walking with me along those borders. People who are not Christians. But they want to see, how is the chaplain going to respond? Matter of fact, the chaplain didn't have a weapon. Who's he going to trust? You know, who's he going to trust? And I will go and I will walk with them. And they'll walk with me. And we'll walk with each other. Because we want to build a place, just like we want to do here, here in Kelbrook. We want to build a place for people to come. Now, in your life, are you building somewhere where people can come? Are you building a temple in your life where the Lord can come into and dwell? Are you building a place where other people can go and see who God is? Let me ask you this. If you're building that place, and if we're building that place here, what is the attraction? You can answer me on this. What do you think would be the attraction that would bring people in? What is it? I'm sorry. Salvation. Salvation? Okay. Anyone else? What would be the attraction? Love? Peace? Anybody else? Kindness? Anybody else? Relationship. Anybody else? Truth. See, you're building a place. You guys don't realize that you just laid some bricks down to build this place that you can bring people into. If those are the things that we're standing on, those are good things to stand on. That's the attraction. That's what people are looking for. They're not just looking for pretty people up here, right? You know? They're looking for something they can stand on and they can hold on to. And that's what I try to bring to people. What can I stand on and hold on to? 
So King Solomon was in the same way. He said, this is a place where the Spirit of the Lord would dwell as he built this building. The Spirit of the Lord would dwell there. The temple is also, in, in the culture of Israel, it's a central part of their culture. You know, the, the church has slipped, I think, out of our culture a lot of times as being the central point. There's other things in our lives that we do. But it should become that. But the, this should be a place where we come to commune with God. And I think that's the same thing that was happening with the temple. It's a place where you come to commune with God. They can see the Father who He is. Now, we understand that the, the, the temple perhaps is a, a little, little bit of foreshadow of what was going to happen as Jesus was coming. As Jesus was going to come and be that central point of focus for us. He was going to be a divine connection, right? Between us and God, the Father. That was it going to be. Are we being that to each other today? Are we being that for the community? I think we are. If you don't see yourself in part of that place of being part of the divine connection of who God is, I ask you to examine your heart today and say, God, who am I today? Am, am I connected with you, God? Do, do I know you for who you are? Like, so we must be the symbols of God's love, just like the church. Like I said, the body of Christ, the congregation, members of Kellbrook say you at work, at school, at play, wherever it might be. I want you to look at the blocks that you build it on and ask yourself, am I attracting people to come and rest and find peace and truth and love? All the things you guys just mentioned. Am I doing that? So in that, we know that someone mentioned love. And I think I want to talk about just the loyalty of God's love a little bit. The loyalty of God's love. So we pick up verse 22 through 26 again. We're going to go down to verse 24. And he says, You have kept what you have promised, your servant David my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hands, as it is this day. As it is this day. You know, we, we, we serve a God that is a, a God who, who's a, a covenant keeper, right? He, he's never slack at all. He's never late on anything. We might think he is, but he never is. You remember King Solomon, what he asked for before he, he really rolled into the, this kingship and took this whole thing on? Anybody remember what he asked for? Wisdom. Wisdom. Why did he ask for wisdom? To rule the people. He says, I don't know how to do this. So he needed some tools, right, in this building project. And I saw this coming in. If he needed this, I'm thinking, you know, I need some tools too. I'm not a carpenter by trade, okay? I just want you guys to know that. Just put that out front. Um, I, I, I try to work on the stuff, and it usually doesn't turn out right. My uncle comes in and cleans it up for me. All right, just let you guys know that. But I also learned that it's also fun to buy tools, right? So you buy, buy a lot of tools you think you need. So we're working on some stuff in the house. So I go get myself a really nice hammer, right? I like the way it looks. Look at that. Nice hammer, right? I, actually, I bought it because I like how it looks. <laughs> I, really, I thought it was the right hammer for the job, so... So we're inside and we're putting up some nice crown molding, right? And I got my big framing hammer because I'm thinking it's the right hammer for the job because I like that. I got my hammer. I pull it out and he says, uh, Robert, I don't think that's the right tool you want to use. I'm thinking, but this is a tool that I bought. 
This is well, well, he said, well, you know, it, you know, even when you hit really hard, it has anti-vibrate. So it doesn't, you know. So I'm thinking, I can do this. And he's like, no, no, it's not the right tool. So King Solomon has some tools of wisdom. Maybe that's what I want you to ask me before I bought this. Well, what do I need? Wisdom. But I, I tell you what I did do, though, is that we came along and we had a house fire. Not because I did anything, okay? Just, all right. <laughs> Not because I did anything, all right? So, so we had a house fire, and Sarah told him, she said, I'm not going back in this house, Robert, with that old wiring in the house. I'm thinking, I don't have the money to do this. So what do I do? I go buy myself a wire, all right, because I'm going to be an electrician now. You don't need any training for that, right? So <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... You just got to pull a wire through a hole in the house and hook some ends up. So I said, so I got in there. I said, okay, I want, I want to do some four-way lighting. Some, you know, power switch. Yeah, yeah, see, he knows. So I don't think I can hook this up. So I got my wire dropped down out the ceiling, hanging out the walls and everything. I'm like, okay. So I don't know what to do now. So I, I went and got myself a book. And I was starting to read through the book. I'm like, you know, this is too much to read. I don't have time to read through the book. So... So what do you do next, guys? What do you do next? YouTube. I go on YouTube, forget about the book, and I rewire my entire house. I found some tools that I can use. I found YouTube. I gained wisdom in the midst of wiring my house. Now, if I can even pass code. I don't know how it did, but it passed code. It did. But finding the right tools is what you want to do. King Solomon started early asking for wisdom. And the Lord gave that to him. To rule the people. We, we learned this morning that he started to expand. He kept expanding, ruling the people. And he used his tools properly. And that's what we have to learn to do. To use our tools properly to expand the wisdom of God. I'm sorry if I'm not going along with these slides. I can't get a little ahead of myself sometimes. But I want, I want to just share this with you. As God being a covenant keeper, say so he is not slack. His love would not allow him to break a covenant. Because he's going to give you the tools to work with. Nor would his covenant allow him to break his love. And when you build them with the right tools, you can build relationships with people that would not be broken. But you've got to build them with the right tools, though. So those who walk before the Lord with all their hearts, with all their hearts. When you guys hear statements like, with all your heart, what, 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 how does that make you feel? What's that? Invest? Invest it. I like that. With all your heart. Anybody else? How does that make you feel? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. <laughs> Overwhelmed, You know, that's what I feel at times. When I hear statements like that with all your heart, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I, I know the capacity of my heart. You know? And I wish I could see it in my life that's being invested. I wish I could see that. But I get overwhelmed because and, and I'm like, I, I, you know, you, know you, you remember the Grinch, right? You know? His heart was tiny. The capacity of his heart was very small, right? It was, he, he, didn't know, he didn't know that his heart could grow so big. 
What did he allow himself to do? Not, not that I thought I was going to use the Grinch in my uh, sermon illustration, but what did the Grinch allow himself to do to allow his heart to grow? <laughs> he cared. He cared. He cared about the people down in Whoville, didn't he? He cared. Do you care about your neighbors? You don't have to answer that, you know. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Because some of us don't even know our neighbors, right? And just to say, you know, some we don't know. But, but he cared. So for me, it's, I get overwhelmed when I hear all my heart. Because I, I don't know what to do with that sometimes. I do know this, is that the capacity of God's heart is a lot bigger than ours. He understands all. There is no limits to God's heart. There's nothing that, 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 that can be so overwhelming for God as it is for us. The reality of God's grace, His mercy, His love towards us, I think it should cause us at this point to just as, do just as King Solomon did. We were singing this morning, you know, hands raised, calling out to the Lord this morning. That's what King Solomon was doing. He realizes, so uh, just allow me a little more time to clean this up and I want to Move on here real quick. It says that when we start realizing the capacity of our heart, when we start realizing that, that we can move into people's lives and, 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 and we find that there are so many competing things in our lives for, for the focus of who God is, we find that we, we, we lose where we're at sometimes. And when we lose that peace, when we lose where we're at, we don't know where we're going. We're thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then at that point, we just kind of take on this, this, this spiritual persona, I'd say, that, that, that kind of keeps us coming to church on Sunday morning, that kind of keeps us doing, doing, doing the things that we normally do, right? But when you lose that, what you need to do is go back, pick up the right tools, and say, Lord, where are you? So you want to find God in that place of meditation and that place of Letting him just lead you in his word and, 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 and bring you back to him. So understanding the, his love and that he would give you the tools needed to build a, a space and a place for the Lord to be revealed. That's what we've got to do with our lives. In verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Is anyone here ever surprised the fact that God would come and dwell with us? Are we ever surprised by that? We should be. He is the king of all creation. The universe. We should be surprised that God would come and dwell with us. Because that's not put us in a place to think, who am I? That God would consider me. Who am I? So in the Rand Book of Perception, here's what I sense is going on with King Solomon. He is overwhelmed with the constant presence of God. Now I talked about earlier in the chapter how the cloud came in and filled that that, 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 the, the, the holies and the demonstration of God's presence combined with a seven-year-long building project 
You know, how many people got unfinished business in their house and been trying to build all these years? You know, seven years. My dad, he, he, he's passed away now. He's in heaven with the Lord Jesus. Uh, there was a room he was trying to build in the house. He never got done. <laughs> never got done. But there was a building project that Solomon was on. And I think all this combined, he has some positive reflections, I believe, towards God. Because he walked with God and met God during his time. And as he's taken by the reality of God, by this omnipresence of who God is, at times I miss that. I'm not always taking God's presence. Share with you real quick about my father is that he caught me one day playing with mashes. A big box of mashes. I was out beside the house, the chimney. How old are you? How old are you? Nine. I'm out of the nine. Get my mashes. Stracking, just kind of throwing them around. Whole box. Just having fun. It's a little boy, right? Just. And my dad saw me. He saw me. Now, my, my dad's a big man, right? He's a little bit taller than I am. He was probably at that time before he lost weight, probably about 300 pounds. So he comes around, he catches a about nine year old boy, and he says, What are you doing? You know, I throw the matches up and I run. That's all I can do. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't catch me, but I ran from him, you know? Because he surprised me, the fact that he was looking out for my safety. But I, but I didn't see that, though. See, sometimes we act that way with God. We get surprised by God. And we run from him. When he catches us doing stuff. Now, i got to say that. I get overwhelmed by God's presence. I really do. It's not when he catches me doing stuff, though. It's when I stop and I get into his word. And I start to pray and I start to meditate on who he is. You know what happens at that point? Everything from your past and your present all of a sudden come and you realize the presence of God has been there the whole time. He's seen it all. But yet you still sense his comfort and love that he has for you. You've seen it all. He didn't miss anything about who you are. He knows what you're thinking, what you're doing. But yet he still loves you. Isn't that amazing? The amazing love of God. So don't get surprised by God and run from Him. If He catches you, stop. Embrace the love of God. Embrace Him. He will. He's not to ever watch an eye that we think He is. You know? He, he wants to provide for our safety and our love. Now, King Solomon intercedes for His people. And God gives him tools to work with. And he continues. He prays for him. We even know that even King David, as, 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 as his father, realized the presence of God as well. Remember when he had sinned and, uh, with Bathsheba and plotted to have her husband murdered, and which did. And he came back and then one of the things he said, I think we might have Psalms 51 up here. One of the things he says for... You would not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you would not despise. But before he got there, he says, Lord, he says, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. That's our job, too. When God has brought us back from being surprised, we need to go out and share with others. Some people call that testifying, right? We need to go out and share with others what God has done. That we might be able to bring them in onto the building blocks that we've given them that we talked about this morning. Are you building a place for God to dwell in your life? Are you? I hope you are. So he knows there is no other God like him. He's King Solomon. He knows there is no other God out there. Despite what goes on, even with the, the cloud coming in, there's no amount of sacrifices we can do, no amount of apologies we can give. We just need to accept God's love today. That's what we need to do. Now, we should understand God's presence is not dependent upon a temple, right? It's not. But what it's dependent upon is our obedience to Him. When you're obedient to the Lord, when you walk in this way, you're going to find His presence constantly with you. You're going to recognize it. Because what happens, people, is that it's just we guard our hearts, right? It's not necessarily because we're out doing all kind of crazy stuff, but because we guard our hearts. We don't want to let people in. Because we live in this society where we don't want to build anywhere for people to come into. We want to build our little yard and keep it, you know, my yard in the back. You know, we got our neighbors. We cut down trees. And I think they got upset with us because we cleared out their, 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 their fencing they had back there. Because it was on my property, but it was my tree, so I cut them down. But they, they said, what do you do that for? Because now I can see right into their backyard. They want, <laughs> they want to guard that. And so what I did, I crossed that boundary with them. And I go and I, I, I talk to my neighbor, Daryl, when I see him out there. It took me two years to see his wife, but I found her. She, <laughs> I called her in the yard one day, Betty. I went straight to her. I said, hello, Betty, how you doing? So, and we talked a while, so. so. But she's no longer guarded, you know, because I was able to get in. But here I want to encourage you to say, if you allow, your, if you allow God to touch, touch your heart, just allow him to do that. Your heart needs to be tender for that to happen. Okay? The touch of God, it's not like the touch of man. Okay? So allow him in to touch your heart to be tender. So we should understand God's presence, like I said, it's not dependent upon a temple, but our obedience. Now I want to take two, we're going to wrap up here in just a little bit. It says, when King Solomon, of course, as he was finished praying for his people, as he was in the remainder of chapter 8 there, going into verse uh, 41, he was praying for the people and, and praying for their, their sinfulness, praying for their hearts to be open to God, praying for them and the calamity that they might fall into. He says, I don't want to forget about the foreigners. I don't want to forget about them. Have you ever felt like a foreigner somewhere? Maybe you travel around the world, I don't know, and, and you felt that, that, that sense of, where did I go? Have you ever felt like a foreigner here in the West Bend? Probably not, right? You know, you, you know all the landscape, you, you, know, you know where to go, you know where not to go. You feel like this is home for me. But I can tell you people, as I walk into a lot of places, I feel like a foreigner at times. Just went on a quick vacation. I'll tell you a quick story and move on. Went down to Tennessee, um, put us in the Hiawassee River again, which I don't know why we did that a second time in a row. It, you know, it's, 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 it's a river. I don't swim, you know, so I'm out in the just raging river. But as we go down there, we, we wanted to go to church while I was down there. I, I tell you the story another day about the river incident. That's 
We can talk about that in coffee. It's a good laugh. But we went to church down there. And I kind of went down there a little bit of a funk. Even though I was on vacation, I was in a little bit of a funk. And then I just drove, you know, 13 hours. And I'm in this car and feeding the kids. And they fighting with each other. And I'm like, you know, I just, can I just drop them in the river, you know, and take off? And I'm like, thinking. But we go to church down there. And I, and I get to this church. And they didn't even have a sermon that day. They just broke out and, 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 and praying for each other. You know what? I didn't even know these people. I tell you what I recognized. I recognized the presence of God. I was blessed. Right in the midst of these people that I didn't know. So even if you feel like you're a foreigner somewhere, what you need to do is look for the presence of God. Don't worry about the people. Look for the presence of God. Connect with the presence of God so that He might be able to bring you to a place where you need to be. He will give you the right tools to work with. Like I said, the Lord will help you build a project. He'll help you build a project. Can I just take a quick moment to share with you a little bit about a building project that I kind of worked through as I was, had gone to Iraq? Just take a quick minute here. So, this is one of the palaces of Saddam Hussein. You can see things are pretty brown and brighter, and that, that's, that's actually how it looked. So, and I'm standing on one of the palaces that we actually um, dropped a bomb on, on the other side, which he has victory over Iran, victory over America, right? That was his says. This thought process. But I'm standing up there, so I took a picture of this. And I, I, I stayed somewhere back over in that area there. But I realized I brought a lot of people with me. With the battalion, the brigade that I was with. A lot of people into this foreign land. For one, is that they didn't know God. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them had nothing to do with the Lord. But we was together a total of about, probably about 18 months we were together. And my building project started with them early. Because the initial thing that I met when I first talked to my commander on the phone, the first thing he told me, he says, Jet Rand, I'm sorry to tell you this. This is our first conversation, he says, but we just had a suicide in the battalion. It was in New York, middle of winter. He jumped off the Hudson Bridge. The river froze over. It didn't unthaw to march. So I walked with a battalion for three months, not knowing, can't process grief, can't process, can't move on, but we had to continue on daily. So we started to build this, this project with him and trying to help him. And these are the same people that I brought to Iraq with me as they carry this. So when God places you in your community, he's putting you there for a reason so you can walk with him. Next slide, please. These are some of the people who walk with me over there. As I walk with them, as we stood together, we prayed together. And I can tell you that these two guys on this side here wanted nothing to do with God. But they wanted to walk with me and walk with the Lord. So we went out to walk together. We walked knowing that God was walking with us. We was building these blocks because it was trust, loyalty, truth, their love. And they knew that. So we walk together. Next slide, please. This young man right here, he was at one of our camps, and he struggled a lot. He knew the Lord, but he had fallen away, and he struggled. My assistant and I, we prayed for this young man. Matter of fact, we would make trips just to go see him specifically. We wanted to make sure that he was connected to the Lord. And so we went down to his, his site one day, where he was at, and he was, and he was worshiping the amazing love of God. 
He's worshiping. Next slide, please. This man here was my man who took care of me. He was my assistant. He was my armor bearer. He carried a weapon for me. A man who was solid in the Lord. He loved the Lord. Loved his daughters. You know. Has a great testimony how he came to know the Lord. This is a man who owned his own business. All right. He had no reason to enlist in the military. You know why he went to the military? Just so he can serve a chaplain. Just so he can go and be the armor bearer for a chaplain. And the Lord gave him to me. Because I needed him. He kept me out of trouble. He really did. You can't tell here, but we wanted to make something special for the troops to take pictures sent home to their family. We didn't have enough decoration for the tree, so that's all you see there. That's all we got for the tree. So, <laughs> so we wanted, wanted to at least provide for the soldiers and you know, help their family transition in where he was at. So, But he helped me to build a place, prepare a place for those who want to come and worship. Next slide, please. This is the only Christian chapel that was on the compound that Saddam Hussein had. The only one. And he built it for a Christian. For people to come in. And the Lord allowed me to be able to come into this chapel that was already built. That he built. See, God gave the tools already. And many people came in there and we serviced people. We loved on them. We helped them transition. We helped them through grief. And they came there daily to us to meet with us. But that place was prepared for them. Doors open. All they had to do was just go in. And they knew the Spirit of the Lord was going to be there. People, I just wanted to share with you just that a little bit. And ask you today, as you think about as you leave today and as you go home and you start to process, ask yourself, what am I building? What am I building? And if you are building something in your, in your neighborhood, in your lives, are people attracted to it? Would they come to it? Would they come to your home? Would they come to you? What are you building in your lives? You used to build in blocks we just talked about this morning. To build into your life who God is and what He wants for you to do. Amen? Amen. Thank you, brother.